Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. services or connect with us on Facebook. Life is meant to do in community, and so point groups is a way that we can do that as uh, we connect together, helping us to grow in our purpose, reaching new points in our walk with Christ. We're looking for leaders, as you heard. You can find a, uh, a link online, and uh, we've got some information that uh, can be made available to you just if you want to learn more about being a part of point groups, either leading online or in home or even in uh, one of our, our uh, meeting places here at the church. Second Timothy chapter 2, we are uh, in a series called United, moving into more, and uh, really the premise of this is the desire to evaluate our relationships, that we would do relationships God's way. In a world that is dysfunctional, divided, and uh, in a disorder uh, in relationships and bickering, that we believe that the church ought to be the example of healthy relationships. How many believe that? How many believe the church ought to be an example of healthy relationships? That we ought to show the world what it's like. Jesus said, they'll know your followers of mine by your love for one another. The relationships that we have. And uh, last week we kicked this off talking about the importance of being untied from the unmet expectations. Every relationship in life gets stuck. At some point in life, every relationship hits a place of being stuck. Somewhere between we're waiting for it to change, it'll change one day, and then we're miserable because it's not changing or doing what we want. Somewhere in there, there's a place that we get stuck and every relationship reaches that place, but healthy relationships allow God to untie them from those places. Because when we become untied, that is the place that God is dealing with our heart, and he's using relationships to make us more like Jesus. And so this is our desire, that our relationships would be healthy. I want to look today in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Paul's encouraging Timothy with a specific word, calling him to be a good worker, someone who is approved by God. Here's what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 15. Paul is writing to Timothy, his young son in the faith, not his physical son, but a spiritual son, one that he's influencing. And uh, he says this to Timothy, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. This kind of talk spreads like cancer or gangrene, as is in the case of Hymenaeus and Philetus. They have left the path of truth, claiming that the resurrection of the dead has already occurred. In this way, they have led or turned other people away from the faith. But God's truth stands firm. How many know in all things, God's truth stands firm? Here's what he says. God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription. The Lord knows who are his and all who belong the Lord must turn away from evil. The Lord knows who are his and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. Father, it's your word. I thank you that it's living. Now, God, I pray that it would cause our lives, our relationships to come to life, that we would see health and growth. God, help us to become more like you as we grow in relationship with one another. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that, with that today, say amen. Amen. I wonder today, uh, if you're here, raise your hand if you're sitting beside somebody that you don't mind being seen with in public. Yeah, that's good, because you're here. It's kind of a public spot. Um, 
you know, if you, if you don't mind being seen in public, it becomes that approved relationship. You know, if you don't want it to be seen in public, it's that, uh, don't want anybody to know, I know that person. It's, it's held back. In, in the culture of endorsements, I, I, I tried to call this title or the message of this, uh, I am God and I approve of this relationship, but uh, that just didn't seem right. And so the title this morning is simply this, Endorsed by God. I want to ask the question to us, are our relationships endorsed by God? Have, are our relationships pleasing and approving to God? Are we doing relationships God's way? Paul says to Timothy, work hard so that you can present yourself to God and to receive his approval. Here's point number one. We all work for approval. Every one of us work for approval. Some people say they work for food. Some people say they, they work for whatever it is. You, every one of us work for approval. You, you, you and I don't mind approval. It's one thing that we, that we look and desire. Every single person wants to be approved. It's the reason that we give effort to, to how we work, what we do, the, how we look, the way that we perform. We want the approval of a boss. We want the approval in relationships. We want the approval of peers. We do what we do for approval. Seeking approval isn't the problem. The problem is not that we want approval because it's not a wrong motive. It's right to want approval. It's not wrong to want approval. The question is, whose approval are we seeking and what approval is it that we're looking for? It depends on whose approval we're going after. Galatians 1, Paul's talking to the church and he says to the church, he says that there are those who oppose the gospel and they, they make it out that Paul is divisive and, and, and cause Paul to be a problem, that he's selfish. And Paul says these words in, first, in Galatians 1.10, he says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. His purpose is not to find the approval of God, but to find the approval, or not to find the approval of people, but of God. And so you and I desire approval. There's nothing wrong. And there, there's this, 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 this idea sometimes, and in our independent culture, we think and have treated this as if the strong person in our culture today is someone who doesn't need anyone's approval, that they don't need anyone's attention or anyone's approval. In fact, we almost call it a strong person who would say things like, I don't need anybody and I don't care what anybody thinks. That is not a strong person. That's an arrogant person and a person who has insecurity and a person who's really trying to put up a front. A healthy person is a person who does want the approval but wants the approval of the right people. It's not wrong to seek approval, but we need to seek approval from number one God and then the right people who come in line with that. It is not wrong for seeking the approval. Not caring what anyone thinks is not the goal. You're not, a great lead, you're, not a, you're not a great, strong person if I just do my own thing and I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't need anybody. God did not design you that way. Quit fooling yourself. You're not in a place of independence that you can do it on your own, that you're so good. And, and you wouldn't even think that, but we, we almost create ourselves that I've got to be a person who has no needs. I've got to march to my own drum. I don't care what people think. What people think that makes me a strong person. That doesn't make you a strong person. That makes you a, long, a lone ranger and a person who does your own thing and is hard to get along with sometimes. It's not good at having relationships. But when we seek the approval of the right people, that being God, I'm not controlled by what people think, but I am controlled by what God thinks about me. 
I know that we don't want to be controlled by what people think, but there is a control of what God thinks. And because I care what God thinks, that's called living by the Holy Spirit. That's doing life with the Holy Spirit being my conscience and the direction, and it guides me that I want to do things God's way. I want to seek God's approval. And if I'm seeking God's approval, how many know that there are other people in my life that God has given me that ought to meet their approval as well? I want to be approved of by God. I want to be approved of by my wife. I want to be approved of by my children. I want to be approved of by my friends, by those that are around me. Now, I'm not seeking their approval. I'm seeking God's approval. But how many know that when I'm doing things according to God's way, it will have an effect on the relationships around me? It has an effect on on what what is around me. I'm not controlled by people, but I am controlled by the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit controls me, he controls the affairs or the effects of my relationships. Every single person seeks approval. We all work for approval. Here's the recognizing this, that since we all work for approval, the the standards of what approves us is really dependent by whose approval we're seeking. If you seek the approval of God, how many know then you are living according to God's standards? Whoever you seek the approval of, you, you put yourself on their standards. Be careful whose approval you're seeking. Some of us are seeking approval of people that we lower God's standards to get on theirs because we're seeking approval of people that are not on God's standards and God's direction and God's ways that we, that we make sure that we have the standards that are needed. Good works will earn the approval. So what is the good works? Well, good works is, is or a good worker is those or one who is effectively accomplishing the task that it's assigned to them. If you're a good worker, you're good at doing the task that you've been given. You're good at your job, and if you're good at your job, it's because you do what's expected of you, you accomplish a product, you do the outcome, you bring about what is expected in your life. If we're good workers, then we accomplish the task that is needed. Paul gives this perspective in the beginning of 2 Timothy chapter 2. He says that we're to be a good worker, and he says, like a soldier who doesn't get caught up in the affairs of civilians. That we're to be like a soldier who doesn't get caught up in the affairs of a civilian. He also says like an athlete who runs and wins because they abide and follow the rules. And like a farmer who enjoys the fruit or the, the, the return of his crops. That all of this is what a good worker is. So we ought to be good workers. And good workers like the soldier who doesn't get caught up in the affairs of this world but lives according to pleasing the commander. That we, that we please the heart of God. And it's also like an athlete who abides by the rules, the standards of God. We do it God's way so that we can accomplish and make it to the end. How many know it's not enough to start a race? We've got to finish it. That the athlete wins and makes it to the end. And the only way we make it to the end is when we do it God's way. When we have relationships in God's way. And he says as well that it's like the farmer who the crops, that he, that he is able to enjoy the crops. When you are approved by God, I want you to know this. When you're approved by God, you have God's favor, his approval on your life. You please the commander. You finish the race that he put you in front of you. And you enjoy the process because there's fruit along the way that he allows you to enjoy and allows to bless your life. A good worker, according to God's word, will please God, will finish the task, and will cause there to be fruit for the, for the, the process. How many believe that it's worth being a good worker in the eyes of God? That there is this, this accomplishment. What, what is it? So if you're in your job, and your job might be, 
on an assembly line and you have a task and something that you produce, if you do your job well and you work well, it produces something. Well, in the kingdom of God, here's what, here's what we are able to produce or what we ought to produce. And the result of it is this, that the work of serving Jesus is the result of influencing people for the kingdom of God. When we have healthy or when we are good workers, it produces healthy relationships around us that glorify God. It's a quality product that produces the desired result. That was the message of Jesus when he says to his disciples, he said to his disciples, the fields are white and ready for harvest. What is his point? He's saying your job and the task is to go and to share the hope of Jesus Christ, that we're to build relationship. Jesus, when he was with Zacchaeus, he built relationship with them. And they said, why would you go to the home of that person? And Jesus said, because he came to seek and save that which were lost. He came to relate to and to build relationship with lost people. Why? Because the task is to have relationship that influences others for the purpose of Jesus Christ. Think of the Great Commission. Jesus said the Great Commission is to go into all the nations, to to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, and I will be with you, or teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And in this promise, he promises to be with us until the end of the age. What's the purpose of the Great Commandment? Is influencing a nation and a world with the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ. How can we influence a nation except by influencing those that are around us one by one, having healthy relationships, being in good relationships, doing relationships God's way. A good worker accomplishes the task, and the task at hand is to influence people. That's the task of what we, what we are, that when we serve God well, this is, this is the fact of the matter, that when we serve God well and we have an encounter with God and we're a good worker unto God, it will affect the relationships that are around us. People will recognize. People will be drawn to what, who God is in our life or, or repelled by it. But whatever their response is, it's, it's their, them responding to God. But when we, when we walk in our relationship and this walk with Christ, it will bring people to Christ. Matthew 5, 16, Jesus said these words, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Let them see your good works. What are the purposes of your good works? Not so you can get accolades, not so you can build something, not so your name can be, be known, but that Jesus Christ might be known because of your relationships. There is this um, question that I'll often ask myself, and it's just a, a subconscious thing that I'm interacting with people, and if I've never met that person before, I wanna ask myself when I leave this person, what impact will the gospel have on them by the way I treat them? You say, well, that's too much thinking. Leave me in my world because where I am, God, every contact I have is about sharing Jesus with people that don't know you. It was yesterday we were coming back from uh, uh, dinner with uh, 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 Pastor Tim and Katie, and we were traveling on 43, and as we were traveling, there was a man trying to call down traffic, and he had his shirt off, and he was waving it. And uh, so I stopped to help him. I said, my wife, don't you ever do that if some man on the side of the road is waving their shirt. Um, but I, <laughs> we, we stopped, and uh, of course, he, he ran out of gas, and we're, we're helping. I love this. He, he says to me, uh, he said, well, we could have stopped back there, but my buddy didn't want to pay four cents more, so we didn't make it quite the way yet. So they're having fun with it. And so uh, we, of course, uh, help him, and we go to get a, a gas can and place I take them right off the exit here. It's $17 for a two-gallon 
I'm like, forget that. I said, uh, uh, the church is right over the hill. I said, we've got gas cans. I'll go get a gas can. So we walk in, and I, of course, open up. He says, oh, you're the pastor here. I said, yeah. I said, I actually am the pastor. So we go in, and we get gas and fill it up and put it in his tank. He says, you know, that's crazy. He said, my, my buddies were laughing at me because I said, I'm praying the blood of Jesus will provide and protect us. We get back there. He says to the guy, hey, guys, you know what I said about the blood of Jesus? He said, my God's so good, he sent the pastor to come get me. <laughs> I said, I don't know what Jesus is doing in their life, but I wonder if Jesus is doing something in yours. That I, I look at that, and you know, that's a moment. I, I, that, that's not just helping someone on the side of the road. That's declaring the goodness of our God, that he is a God who is faithful, that wherever you are, you say, well, all you did was put gas in someone's car. Anybody can do that. Absolutely. But the heart in which we do it is to declare the goodness and the hope of Jesus Christ, that we might shine for him. And so what I'm able to say to him is, God knows where you are, wherever you are on the side of the road, whatever it is, God knows how to meet you where you are. So maybe God's trying to get your attention today and say, you need to hang out with some different people in some different places because I'm not so sure all of what was going on in the car was holy and godly. That's not for me to judge. I'm just making a point that I wonder if God is saying, hey, I know how to meet you, but don't stay in the place I meet you. I want you to take you from where you are to the place I'm calling you. That we allow the grace and strength of God in our lives to move us into what God is calling us into. That when we become workers, we shine the light of Jesus Christ. I can say with Paul, and this is not an over-the-top Christian. I, I'm, 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 I'm so praying that God would change the attitude that we have. Well, that's a level of Christian up here. That's a level of worshiper up here. There are not levels. There are either those who are going after God or those who aren't. There are not levels here. Like, well, he's just, he's, he's very spiritual. I am not spiritual. I am saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. My life is transformed. I've fallen in love with the one who gave his life for me, and I'm giving everything I've got to him. That's called a follower of Jesus. Why have we realigned this to be a different, a different description and call it something else? It's either we're following him or we're not. We're either workers of God, good workers, or workers of iniquity. That's what we become, and this becomes our desire to influence with the hope and the light of Jesus Christ. What is it that makes a good worker? Here's what 2 Timothy, we read this. It says, be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. Here's what a, what a good worker is. A good worker is someone who is aware of these things in their lives, first of all, Paul says this to Timothy, they're not ashamed. And what it means to be not ashamed is that their life lines up or their confession lines up with their words. They're, they're not inconsistent. That we've got to be aware and be careful of inconsistency because if there's inconsistency, then there can be shame. And shame means I don't want everybody to see it. If there's something in your life you don't want people to see, lay it before God and let God deal with it. Because whatever you leave in the secret, in a place of secrecy, will come back and haunt you. It's a dangerous thing when individuals confess Christ but have not changed according to his promise. They have a form of godliness and deny the power, the Bible says, have nothing to do with these people. They have a form of godliness. They confess Jesus, but they've not been made new in the image of God and in the, in the heart of Christ. They've not been transformed and changed, and, and there becomes this concern that we've got to be careful of inconsistency. Secondly, we've got to be careful of handling the word correctly. He says that they're not ashamed, 
and they rightly divide or rightly explain or rightly handle the truth, that we don't handle the word of God incorrectly. We don't take the word of God to fit our agenda and to fit our wants and to fit our style. We allow the word of God to change us so that we fit what the word of God says. Hymenius, who is the one who he says here, Paul says, like Hymenius, Phineas and Ferb, that's the easiest way we can describe them in our, try to say their names, it's hard to say, but these two individuals, he said, they don't, they're, they're telling others that the resurrection already occurred, they don't believe in the resurrection of the dead, it's already occurred, and they're leading people astray. He's saying they're using the word for their own, for, for their own ways. Here's why, because the Greeks in that day believed in Greek mythology, all that would take place. And so it didn't, it was a big shift for them to believe in the resurrection. And so what Phineas and Ferb did is they changed it to meet their understanding. They brought the word of God and made it incorrect just so it could be politically correct. They made it incorrect to become politically correct. We've got to be careful that the word of God remains the word of God, that there is a, a correctness in how we handle the word of God. How do we handle the word of God with correctness? With humility. We don't ever pretend we know it all, but that we lay before the Lord and allow God in his word to come alive in us, that we handle this in truth, that we've got to make sure that we're not being inconsistent or handling the word of God incorrectly. And thirdly, he says, avoid worthless talk. We've got to make sure that the words and the things that we talk about are not inappropriate. That we've got to be careful of the, the things, and this is, this is in general conversation. It, it, there's a scripture, of course, that says that we will give an account or be held accountable for every word that we have spoken. How many know that's scary? I have said things. Full disclosure. I have said things inappropriately in my anger and in my frustration I have said things about people that were not the right thing to say and not the right way to say it. And there are moments in my life I have allowed my words to be inappropriate. God forgive me. I'm glad all you are looking at me like that's my problem and none of you have to deal with that. You're welcome. But in my growth in Christ, guess what maturity does? Maturity teaches me how to get a hold of my tongue. Because what good is it if I speak in tongues of angels but don't know how to handle my tongue in the right way? among people to speak the word of God and speak love and truth, that we avoid worthless talk, that, we, that we're careful. One of the things I think we've done in the church over the last couple decades, and I don't know exactly, it's at least over the last 20 to 20 some years, we have lowered the gospel to politics. We have brought the gospel to politics. Now you say, well, Jason, we need to be political. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> politics are necessary in the workings of life but I'm not held up in the workings of this life. I'm a part of a kingdom that is above that. So I will be careful to not bring the gospel to politics, but I should bring politics to the gospel. And it becomes one of those things that we honor God in, in, a, in a right way, but we're not going to be caught up in the political affairs and, and, and the things that, that, that we lower the gospel to. The gospel is bigger than any any organization and situation that goes on this earth, that God is greater. And my fear is not losing my country. My greater fear, my greater fear is losing the heart of God. If I have the heart of God, he's already shown, don't misunderstand me. I don't want socialism. I don't want 
communism. I don't want all the stuff, the anarchy, all the stuff that can happen. But here's what I know, that God's presence, God has protected people in other evil regimes. And if, if such a thing would happen, I know that God can protect me in whatever God does. I know how I'm voting, but I'm not controlled by the outcome of the vote. I know who my God is. I know who reigns. And I'm gonna wake up the day after the vote and I'm gonna have the same faith and the same hope and the same promise. I don't care who gets into that house because I already know who sits on the throne. My hope and my faith is higher and greater. And we don't lower it. We don't lower the gospel. It doesn't mean we don't care. We don't, we don't have, have thoughts and inputs, but we keep the gospel, the gospel. And the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, that we rise above those things, that we allow the hope of Jesus Christ in all things, that we are good workers. What are good workers? They're consistent. They, they handle the word correctly, and they speak appropriately in the things that are of the Lord. And here are relationships that are approved by God. And I, I want you to just uh, hear this this morning real quick as we bring this to a close. Some things about relationships that you need to understand. Number one, you can't get Christianity right and relationships wrong. That is a farce. Uh, Darius Daniels in his book, Relational Intelligence, he makes this statement that if we have our Christianity in the right place but our relationships in the wrong place, something's wrong. You can't be so right in your Christianity and so wrong in doing relationships. The, the, another thing we need to know is that there's no such thing as neutral relationships. When it comes to relationships, there's no such thing as neutral relationships. Every relationship is moving you forward or moving you backwards. None leaves you the same. Every relationship is moving you forward or moving you backward. Do you know are these relationships approved by God? Are they moving you in the right direction? Is it moving you in the place of, of holiness and the place of honoring God? Number three, what you need to know about relationships. Relationships are about calling and not just company. Relationships are about calling and not just company. The relationships that we have around us are not just so we can have company in our lives, but it's so that we can fulfill the purpose of God in our lives. That this purpose, I'm telling you, there is no better way to become more like Jesus than to be married. Do you know being married takes a lot of work? And don't sit there and act like, oh my goodness, the lamer's got issues. I mean, being married takes work. It takes selflessness. It takes understanding. It takes forgiveness. It takes humility. It takes everything that Jesus is. And in order for it to work, I've got to become more like Jesus. Relationships are all about helping us to become more like Jesus in our walk and in, and in things that we're, that we're about, that we're moving not just in a relationship with company, that, but that we're pursuing our relationship with purpose. I'm going to ask the worship team to come and, and help us close in this, uh, in this moment. Here's the last thing I want you to hear about relationships. The last thing is this. Who you are is revealed by who you're with. Who you are is revealed by who you're with. You know the scripture, faith without works is dead, right? So we say this, show me your works to show me your faith. If you have faith, then show me your works. But if you have works, it's revealed by your relationships. Let me say it again. If you have faith, it's revealed by your works. And if you have works, that's revealed by your relationships. Which means if your relationships aren't healthy, your works aren't good, and if your works aren't good, your faith isn't grounded, and your faith isn't where it needs to be. How do I know I'm doing, how I'm doing spiritually is, an indica is, is indicated by the relationships around me. 
when there are promptings in my life that there's some relationships that either need dealt with or addressed, what that usually is for me is an indicator that my spiritual, some spiritual lights have come on my dashboard and I need to attend to them. When there's tension in my relationship, and I'll just say even in my marriage, whatever that might be, if there's a place that there's tension, that is an indicator on the dashboard of my life that says my relationship with Jesus needs to be acknowledged and needs to be put in line. Because when relationships get out of place, it's an indicator that my works are not as they ought to be, which means my faith is not where it needs to be. God allows relationships to really become indicators. They reveal who we really are. How we get along with with people reveals who we really are. How good you preach, how much you go to church, all the good things you do, all of that is nice for a moment, but the applause stops. What really remains are the relationships that you carry from moment to moment and place to place. And if there's relationships that are tension, here's what we do in our culture. Instead of letting relationships be an indicator for us to look inward and say, man, what is in me that I need to address? We tend to say, what is wrong with them that they don't connect with me well? And instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us and address something, we cut off the relationship. Here's the danger. When we quickly cut off this relationship instead of dealing with this, it affects us being able to deepen and grow in this direction. Relationships are an indicator of how you're doing spiritually. And so I want to ask you today, are your relationships approved by God? Are they God-endorsed? Are they endorsed by God? The, the, way that we're, the, the way that we're responding, the things that are taking place around us, who you are is revealed by who you're with. Paul told Timothy, he said, but God's truth is like a firm foundation stone with the inscription. Here's the inscription. And when it's an inscription, it's sealed and it can't be changed. And here's what it says. The Lord knows who are his. The Lord knows who are his. Here's the last thing I want you to hear. Relationships reveal the authenticity of your life. It's sealed by God. If you really belong to God, then your relationships are able for God to, be, to build his work upon, to do what he wants to do. You see, my relationship with my brother Tim my friend and fellow pastor, our relationship is so crucial. Here's why. Because when we have a healthy relationship together, it means that we belong to God. And when we belong to God, his sacred work can be carried out in our lives. His sacred work can be carried out in our lives. When we are in good relationship, that is where God's presence can dwell. That is God's God's invitation. The the Bible says in Psalm that where there's unity, that there the Lord commands a blessing. He allows the sacred things of God to develop and work in that place. But in relationships, we've got to know if they're not healthy, there's some relationships I've got to to, uh, equate and say, God, what do I need to do to make them healthy? And after I've done that, and if they're not still healthy, then maybe I do need to sever some relationships. The Bible says that, that Phineas and Ferb, remember them, they were like cancer or gangrene. That they let it exist and the longer it went, it took other people with them. What cancer and gangrene might we just be tolerating in our culture and our world? Well, you know how people 
are. I had a person call me one time. This was years, right when I first got here. They said, Pastor, I just want to let you know I had a, had a rough conversation with someone in the church. They both go to the church. And, and uh, they said, I had a rough conversation with the person. I just wanted you to know it didn't end well. And it was, it was just some, some tension. They said, I just wanted you to know. And I said, well, you know, you got to be understanding. And I said, you know that person's personality. <laughs> this gentleman on the other side, he said, well, Pastor, with all due respect, I think we have to quit making excuses for a person's personality when they've been in Christ and they ought to be made new. This young preacher said, you just preach. And I said, amen. Because I wonder if we've been making excuses for people's personalities. You know, just how they, just how we are. It's just how, you know, it's just what it is. It's, no, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old is gone and the new has come. I don't have the privilege of just saying, well, you just got to get along with me because that's just the way I am. No, that's the way I ignore God's word and I create my own religion and my own way. And basically I'm saying, I don't care about good works. I'll just do works, which Jesus said, what good is it? They'll say to him, we cast out demons. We prophesied in your name. We did all this. And the Lord will say to them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Workers of iniquity, your own agenda, your own ways, your own wants, your own desire, your own way of doing things. You only have two options. You're either a good worker or a worker of iniquity. And he says, depart from me, I never knew you. But the relationships that we have that honor God are revealed. Our, our, our relationship with God is revealed. Here's the last thing I wanna close with. Here's this, Matthew 7. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way they act. Do you know what Paul did to Phineas and Ferb? It's just easier than to put the name together. The Bible says he turned them over to Satan. Oh, yeah, no big deal. Just turn them over to Satan. That's all. That's a big deal. That the influence and the relationship, and here's what they said, that maybe after Satan has had, his, had their way with them, maybe they'll come back and they'll be honorable to God. But God, let it not take that in my life to get me in right relationship with you and with other people. That I want to be honorable to God. That my relationship is my relationships are endorsed by God. Let me ask you this question as we close. Are your relationships with your spouse, with those who are in the body of Christ, doesn't mean we always see eye to eye, but are we handling things God's way? Because if not, then we're not a building block that belongs to God that can carry the sacred work of Him. We have a form of godliness, but we deny the power. So the Bible says have nothing to do with those people. But you know what we want to have? A group of people who say, we ourselves are washed by the blood of Jesus. We don't have all this figured out. So we surrender ourselves to Christ and to one another in the fear of God to see his kingdom come and his will be done. That we live like Jesus on this earth. So this morning, are your relationships endorsed by God? Two things I want to ask you. One is, are there some tensions that maybe cause you to evaluate and say, I need to relate and deal with some relationship, personal relationship with God? Or number two, 
Maybe there's some, ten, there's some places and you say, there's some people that are wolves in sheep, sheep's clothing that I've let into my life. Be careful of the people you let into your life because they'll either take you forward or they'll take you backward. And if they're taking you backward, you've given them permission. You need to cut it off. You need to put boundaries in place. You gotta set things in line because if you keep running with the wrong people and it's not approved by God, how many know you'll miss out on the sacred blessings of God that he wants to bring in your life? Don't be unequally yoked. It's a Bible term to not have something to do with people who aren't in Christ. It doesn't mean you don't have anything to do with them. Don't tie yourselves to those people. Hey, young people, <laughs> my kids, anytime they, I found out they had an interest in somebody, my first question, where do they go to church? If they don't go to church, I'm thankful none of my kids thought, well, you're just an old fogey dad. No, my kids knew you gotta have people who have character. Have people who put priorities in place. Not people who make you feel good for a moment and then just let you down in the next. But people who have a heart after God and character. That's what matters. How we do relationships. So would you stand with me today and just your heart open before God? Just even now, say, God, my, my heart is open before you. Lord, my, my relationships. Let the Lord even now just, just speak to your heart. Maybe there's a place and you say, God, I need to do work in my relationship with you. Maybe there's some relationships you need to distance yourself from, that you need to use wisdom. You gotta be careful of, of the incorrectness, the inappropriate talk, the, the, the things that are taking place. Just before we leave here today, come on, let's just open our hearts before the Lord as they lead us in this song. And just ask God to evaluate our relationships.